Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, January the 10th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I am going off the cuff, sort of a dead period, not a lot of material, not a lot of Dolphins-oriented news, despite the college football championship being played the other night, and despite the NFL playoffs, just not a lot of stuff going on in Dolphins Nation, so we will touch briefly on the college football championship game, talk about potential draft picks from each of those two teams. We'll dive into the topic of drafting players at positions of strength, Ryan Tannehill's rookie season and how the writing has been on the wall since his first professional season, and time permitting, we'll open up the Twitter mailbag for your guys' questions. But first, I have to remind you guys, you know the drill by now, to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. The podcast's rating has really grown since I took over the podcast here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, so I greatly appreciate that. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the show at Lockdown Fins. And of course, check out LockdownDolphins.com where my exit interview series is up right now. Today we are talking about the linebackers. Tomorrow are the cornerbacks. And the entire series will be finished on Friday with the safeties. So every position, every player on the Dolphins gets a review with their stats, their PFF grade, their advanced stats from PFF, and much, much more, including film detail as well as GS on there. So check out LockdownDolphins.com. And of course, the other Lockdown Sports podcasts, including the Lockdown Heat podcast and Lockdown NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And let's just go ahead and jump right into this real quick, guys. I don't have a lot written for the show. This is going to be kind of a non-scripted little thing that I pulled up here. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, there's just not a lot going on. And I know you guys, you know, crave content every day and we'll definitely get it cranked up here again in March and April when, when there's a uh, roster moves and that type of thing to be to be mentioned and and to really dive into and sink our teeth into new actual 2018 Miami Dolphins information. But right now, it's all just kind of hearsay. Let's talk about Jarvis Landry's contract. Let's talk about Ryan Tannehill coming back, which we will do, of course, in the show, as you guys know, I'm one to do. But it's just all the same things circular over and over and over again. So I just kind of wanted to try something different, go a little bit off script and talk about the national championship game that happened on Monday between Alabama and Georgia. Crazy finish, awesome true freshman performances from the quarterback from Alabama, the quarterback from Georgia. Obviously, Alabama has a running back, a freshman running back that's awesome too. Georgia's uh, the younger Ridley brother, the Riley Ridley, not Calvin Ridley, has a big night. Really fun game to watch, but Roquan Smith, obviously the Georgia linebacker is the guy that every Dolphins fan has been talking about. He flashed big time in the college football playoffs with a bunch of big splash plays, a lot of speed and a lot of ability to get to the outside parts of the field. He can cover a little bit too, and he can blitz the quarterback a little bit. So he does things that the Dolphins fans have been missing from the linebacker position. He is the first guy you're going to talk about in terms of this draft class. And everyone seems to be thinking that he's going to rock up the draft board in the top 10 and be out of range in the Dolphins pick. I don't know that I see that. I don't know that I see him as necessarily a great fit in the Dolphins defense. I talked about it on Twitter with somebody last night, kind of going back and forth and, and just discussing why I prefer Alabama linebacker Rashawn Evans and the reason I say it was because I don't think Roquan Smith is a type of linebacker the Dolphins would use in this defense the Dolphins defense is predicated on a one gap penetrating style defense from the defensive line you take advantage you take advantage of Indomitian Sue's 
just sheer strength and speed. Obviously, the speed of Cam Wake and, and Devon Godshaw plays at a low pad level, and Andre Branch is kind of one of those guys that can shoot a gap as well. So they have built this defensive line with the, the mindset of shooting the gaps. And what that means for the linebackers is they have to be able to take on blocks and get into those gaps and, and fill their gap integrity and eat up that space so the running back has nowhere to go in terms of the running game. And that's something that Kiko Alonso struggles big, big time with. And I see a lot of the same things with Roquan Smith and his game. Everybody points out the flash plays that he makes, and they're all awesome, and he has a lot of potential and upside that he could flash with that. But I do worry about his just general technique and instincts because he doesn't seem to be a guy that can get in there and really mix it up with the bigger boys and, and play a, a physical contact type of game where he's you know shedding blocks and disengaging and making big plays when he's being down blocked. So Rashawn Evans, on the other hand, is one of those aggressive kind of downhill type of linebackers that can do those things that I just talked about. And I think he offers more versatility within Miami's defense. He can cover as well. He's a very good cover guy, a fantastic blitzer as well. So I think that Rashawn Evans probably, in my opinion, is a better fit for the Miami Dolphins defense than Roquan Smith. Other players in this draft, I don't think there's going to be a lot of guys you can target with the Dolphins' first-round pick or maybe even beyond, but I haven't done enough study to get too far into that. But I will talk about one more player, and Mika Fitzpatrick, the all-everything corner-slash-safety-slash-slot-corner-slash-whatever you want to call him. He plays all over the defense, and he's the kind of piece the Dolphins' defense could really use. I have been talking a lot about Derwin James, and this is going to kind of bleed into our next topic here, so I'll just go ahead and make it all into one, talking about how the Dolphins need to add a defensive back that can kind of move around and be a matchup piece, a guy that can guard tight ends, a guy that can play single high, a guy that can come down the into the box and play the strong side C gap, puts off the weak side edge, do all these things that the defense has been missing for a couple of years, and particularly last year, they, they really needed that piece, and Matt Burke mentioned as much in his pro his postseason press conference talking about how they wanted to use more dime but they didn't have the personnel so i really really hope that's a true statement and they are planning on shifting towards that type of defense because i've talked about it on twitter the new england patriots have been ahead of the game for 15 years since bill belichick took over i guess i I should just be accurate and call it 17 years and the reason he's ahead of the game is because he's always thinking a step ahead in terms of personnel adaptations, new schemes, new things that team will they'll throw at teams that it just doesn't they're not expecting it. So it shocks them and it makes them kind of change their entire game plan. And what Bill Belichick did this year was go to more seven defensive backs. That means you have not a front seven. It's not the front four. You don't call it the front four down linemen. It's a front four with everybody involved in the defensive line and linebackers with seven defensive backs. So you have a jumbo backfield where you have more speed and athleticism and they incorporate this defense on third and long. The exact same area the Dolphins were terrible in last year, dead last in the NFL, third and seven plus those third and long situations. So get yourself more defensive backs in the field and make yourself more athletic and give yourself a bigger opportunity to to defend four or five routes out in the pattern. So that's kind of what I'm thinking with that. Mika Fitzpatrick would be a great fit for that. He is he is everything you could ever want in defensive back. But that kind of bleeds into my next topic, talking about Derwin James, who for me is at the top of my draft board for the Miami Dolphins, assuming Bradley Chubb does not get down that far. He would be the first guy that I took because I, I think Bradley Chubb is the the next great pass rusher in this league and I would take him in a heartbeat but he's going to go top three top four in that range depending on team needs so Derwin James is my top dolphin my board just in general my top five board in general number one Bradley Chubb number two is Vita Vey the defensive tackle for Washington he is a absolute beast inside number three would be Derwin James safety from Florida State and then number four is Mika Fitzpatrick the corner slash safety slash everything for Alabama. So those are my top four. I think number five, you know, somewhere between Saquon Barkley, maybe 
Deron Payne, the big defensive tackle from Alabama, maybe Baker Mayfield, the quarterback from Oklahoma. I like all these guys, but I haven't quite rounded it out. But just talking about the potential, the potential of Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I big, I'm a big fan of Cleland Farrell from Clemson as well. But it sounds like he might come back to college. We'll see what happens with him. But just talking about drafting positions of strength, and I, I've seen a lot of people say, why do we need to draft a safety? We already have Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. Well, TJ McDonald's cap hit is nothing if you cut him. They're not going to cut him. You would just add to the roster and bolster a strength. And that's what a lot of teams have done in the past. I, I tweeted this out a while back, talking about how the Vikings drafted Adrian Peterson, even though they had Chester Taylor on the roster who rushed for 1,300 yards the previous year. Do you think they regret drafting Adrian Peterson? I don't think so at all. And Aaron Donald and the Rams drafted him. They had just taken Michael Brockers the year before. Typically, when you see a mock draft, guys will say, oh, well, they drafted that position last year. Not going to happen this year. The Rams didn't care. They took an all-pro, and they couldn't be more thankful that they did that. So it's all about acquiring talent, and the best way to get your football team better is get as much talent on the team as you possibly can. I've seen the, the take that, you know, I, I floated the name Marcus Davenport at pick 11, and someone said he's not a top 15 pick. That is so shallow and short-sighted way of thinking that I just I can't even entertain that thought because... Are you going to really look back in five years and say, oh, he's a good player, but they shouldn't have taken him at 11. He was only a top 50. He was a, you know, not a top 15 pick. So that was a mistake. No, you just take the good player. That's why the draft is always so much different than everyone thinks it's going to be. It's not just an order of who's the best player going down. It's the best scheme fits. It's what you think of a particular guy, how you can use him. And the Saints are a good example of this. They, they, it's not about, I've said this a million times, it's not about the player, it's about the fit of the player. And the Saints did that with Ted Ginn and Alvin Kamara. And that's why I said that the Saints were going to win the NFC South this year, and I was heavily ridiculed for it. But I said they found guys on their offense that can reinvigorate that scheme they run, that kind of spread, control, passing attack that they have, where Drew Brees is just so lethal in his short, accurate passes, as well as down the field in the intermediate areas, all over the field. So adding that kind of speed and kind of suddenness to their offense was a big, big deal. And that's what the Dolphins have to do here. You have to add to areas of strength in order to make your football team better. It's the same thing as adding to spots of weaknesses because you just get better. And if you get better at a good position, that means that that unit can be more dominant. They can go from being good to being a dominant unit. So you can play all three guys 80 plus percent of the snaps in any given season if you if you do it right. So I have no problems drafting areas of strength. Do not pigeonhole yourself into thinking offensive line, linebacker, whatever it is the Dolphins have to have. Don't do that. That's how you become a bad football team. Draft good players. The rest will work itself out. Obviously, there are a couple of things, you know, a couple of exceptions to the rule, I suppose. Like a quarterback, for instance, you're not going to draft a quarterback because he's the best player if you have a good quarterback because that backup quarterback will never see the field. But when it comes to defense and the area, the era of player rotation, absolutely draft the best player. You'll, you'll never regret it. You'll always be better for it. This is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL. Got a couple of more segments for you guys. That one went a little bit long, but we still got to talk about Ryan Tannehill's rookie season as I am finished charting that entire year. And we'll get to that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And we will now go ahead and jump into that Ryan Tannehill topic. And I, you guys know on Twitter that I am pretty obsessive over proving the fact that Ryan Tannehill has been a good quarterback for a long time and will continue to be an even better quarterback moving forward under Adam Gaze. And I'm finished up with the 2012 charting of his passes. Every throw, you chart the distance of the throw, whether it was play action, whether it was third down or fourth down. You just make sure you have all that information to gather to find out where he excels the best. And after doing 2012, so I've combed through 2012 very extensively, 2016 very, very extensively. I haven't done in between 13, 14, and 15. That's the goal. That's the plan. That's the project. And that'll probably be out sometime around March, I want to say. I hope to finish it up by then. Unfortunately, real world work gets in the way of that. But just kind of talking about Ryan Tannehill and seeing where he's come from watching his rookie year compared to the last season that he played. And it's pretty obvious to me that 
Ryan Tannehill is the kind of guy that's going to thrive in advantageous situations. What I mean by that is third and four or less situations where running the ball is still a possibility because there are a few quarterbacks in the league that are better in these three areas. Throwing on the move, throwing from a rollout slash designed moving pocket type of play, and on play action. In those areas, Tannehill is nearly perfect. His ability to throw accurately, but also run for a first down with an occasional 20-plus yard run while attacking the line of scrimmage makes him an absolutely dangerous player. Now, this isn't to say that he cannot beat teams within the pocket with the complementary receivers capable of beating that one-on-one coverage they're going to see on the outside. Tannehill can pick a defense apart. His tall stature, his big arm, all these things make him an excellent seven-on-seven type of passer. I say that under quotes. You can't just run rollouts and bootlegs all the time, but it only takes like eight, nine, or ten of these per game to have a huge, huge impact on the game. Plus, with a player like, oh, I don't know, say Jakeem Grant, you can incorporate some fun wrinkles, whether it's reverses, jet sweeps, double passes. Hell, we saw Jarvis Landry is obviously a no stranger to throwing the football with his left hand, and you've also got a tight end that played quarterback in college. Throw some more of those trick stuff in there when the offense isn't going. Make make the defense have to account for this type of stuff. And speaking of tight end, Miami was best when they're utilizing Charles Clay and his versatility, or I guess you could say Marquise Gray to a lesser extent in 2016. If Gray is that guy, that's fine. Awesome. Roll with it. If not, let's find someone that is. An H-back that can play in the backfield, the slot, can split out wide, can light up in line. He is a fit for this bootleg, misdirection, zone read type of offense that I want to incorporate around Ryan Tannehill. I'd focus on an offensive line that can run block. Get guys that are big road graders, big heavy guys that can push people around and make the running game a viable option at all times. I'm not as worried about pass protection because my plan is to run the ball a solid 20 to 25 times a game. You move the quarterback around to make the offensive line's job easier another 10 times a game. So that puts you around 30, 35. And then you have these guys to truly pass protect 20 to 25 times a game, a very small number. And, and don't get it twisted. Tannehill isn't the best quarterback in the league by any stretch. He has some slumps and inconsistencies that won't allow him to be that, but he's plenty, plenty good at enough things that you can build a winning team around. Not just a winning team, but a dominant team. We've seen teams with far less at the quarterback position excel. He is a good quarterback. You just have to play to his strengths. As for the optimist in me, those things, that's why I think Adam Gaze was so bummed out by the injury, because he... He also came to that conclusion and ripped off seven wins out of eight games after the fact that he realized this. So Adam Gaze is a smart coach. Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. It's not rocket science. They'll figure it out. They'll piece together a solid offense next year when he gets back. And so I'll get more for you guys in the Ryan Tannehill stuff going forward. I know that some of you probably hate it. Some of you probably love it, but that's what it is. It's the big topic going into next season. So we're going to focus on that. As far as the Twitter mailbag, I'll get to a couple right now. And then we'll do the rest on tomorrow's show. So this is the Locked on Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL. Twitter mailbag is the next segment coming up. Opening up that Twitter mailbag in the Locked on Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL. I got four really good questions from you guys, and I really, really appreciate how much you guys put into this and, and keep the podcast interesting and get that user interaction. It really, really helps when I have that from you guys. So I really, really appreciate it. Two questions I'll do tonight, two of the easier ones, because I'm kind of running out of time here on the end of the podcast. But we'll go with the first one from RazorEdge44. That's at RazorEdge44. Will Miami move out of their draft position and acquire more picks? That's a tough question. I, I don't think they will. I think it just depends on how the board falls, but I don't think they will. They haven't had a history of trading back in the first round. They tend to be one of the more aggressive teams in terms of staying where they are and taking the best talent on the board at that particular time. And Mike Tannenbaum, he's been more of a trade-up type of a guy, so I don't see them doing that. I think that 11 should have some good options. It, it all depends on how the quarterback falls, really, because that's, the, that's those are the guys that teams really go crazy and trade up for. So I don't think they will at this point, but a lot can change from now until April. Question number two from Julian Luco. It's at Julian underscore Luco. Honestly, the last 
last two years, I've learned that special teams are more important than giving credit to them. How are we in that regard? You know, I'm not a full-blown expert on that. I talked about it yesterday a little bit on the podcast, or I, I think it was Sunday on the podcast, how the positions of strength that I have are quarterback, wide receiver, running back, cornerbacks, and safeties. I mean, the trench play, I kind of have an idea, but it's not my area of expertise. I will definitely give more more staunch opinions on the skill players and also the defensive backs as well. But Special teams definitely does not fall into that. I usually leave that off of my season preview and all that good stuff, my film reviews. But I know the Dolphins have had a lot of those special teams aces, ace guys over the years. You know, where you look at the safeties with with Walt Akins and Michael Thomas, they have been instrumental in that area. You've had good linebackers from Mike Hole, Chase Allen, those types of guys. And Sonoris Perry, the running back, was awesome again this year, getting down there and making tackles on special teams. I think their coverage teams have been really, really good. I think they're... Kicker Cody Parkey was fantastic this year. Missed just two field goals all year. I think that rookie punter Matt Hawk was absolutely atrocious. That's an area they can upgrade. I think their return games were really, really bad this year as well. Not just the way they were blocked, but the way they returned the ball. Jakeem Grant, I, I, I think he's more of a receiver, not much of a return man. So maybe focus on the return area aspect of the game and also find a new punter. So they've been pretty good for the most part, but they could be a lot better too. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Just a quick one for you guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review and check out the other Locked On Sports podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And of course, check out Locked On NFL's Facebook page as well as at Locked On NFL on Twitter. And very lastly, but definitely not leastly, LockedOnDolphins.com. The exit interviews piece is up right now and plenty of more good written content from all the guys we have at LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll be back tomorrow on Thursday with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.